The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Well, it's so good to be with you, and I just want to give a shout out to every location that's joining us, those watching online, uh, Chambersburg, which is Pennsylvania, my area, right, uh, and Leitersburg and Wilson Campus, of course, and Classic. We love you guys so much, and I'm, I'm honored to be able to be here. Um, I actually pastor Allison Park Church. I have been in the north suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for 28 years, and uh, we are a church that has six locations. So we're multi-campus just like you guys are. And I have had a friendship with Patrick for a long time. And he and I talk once a month and we catch up on things that are happening here. So I know we've never really met uh, one another, most of us. But uh, I just want you to know I've been praying for you guys for a long time, for this church. And we're so proud of you and what God is doing here. Why don't you just turn wherever you are to your neighbor and say, you are part of an awesome thing right now. Just tell them that before we go on in the service today. Yeah. All right. And um, so it's, it's my honor to be a part of things. You know, I just want to also say as kind of an old guy, so I just turned 55. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Married to my wife 32 years. Melody and I, we just celebrated our anniversary on Thursday. Yep. <laughs> We have five children. Our oldest is 28, and our youngest is 19, four boys and a girl, and three grandchildren. And uh, I got to tell you, being a grandpa is one of the things that has exceeded my expectations. Honestly, they tell you some things are going to be good, and then normally things don't quite live up to. Grandparenting is better. I mean, all you've heard it said, you know, if I knew it was going to be this good, I'd have done this first. I, this, is, this is really great stuff, you know. And um, so um, I've been at my church for 28 years, and I just got to say, thank you for allowing Patrick to have some time to be able to recharge his batteries, he and his family. So I have also taken sabbaticals. Part of the key to having a pastor being able to stay at one place for a long time is where you become aware of that pastor's needs and you invest in their personal well-being. And, you know, they say that for a pastor who preaches every week, it's the equivalent in one year to writing seven books. That's a lot of material to come up with. And then you're also walking with people through crises in their life when they lose people, when things are going. And so we're affected emotionally by a lot of different things. And so I know that your pastor appreciates the time away, and I think it's wonderful what you're doing to invest in him in this summer. So, And by the way, you know, when the pastor's away on sabbatical, that's the time your church needs you more. Some people are like, well, pastor's not there, so no, no, come on. This is a, this is a church family, so this is the time to step it up. Can I get an amen from somebody somewhere, right? So we're really glad that you're here this weekend. And, and, bef- and I'm going to get into the topic of the message today, and I'll start like this. So I grew up in the suburbs, the suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, my dad is also a pastor. We were not outdoorsmen growing up, so I didn't really do much fishing or hunting. Uh, I know some of you probably live in that particular world, but I've only been hunting one time in my life, okay? And I've only shot a gun once, and that was the time that I was hunting. I had friends down in Alabama, and I flew down because they gave me the opportunity to go on a quail hunt. 
So they got all the paperwork done for me and made it official for me. And then they took me out that morning and they taught me how to shoot a shotgun. And I did some clay pigeon shooting. And then that afternoon, we went out on the quail hunt. And I, I just, I wish I could picture this. I don't do Southern accent very well. But there's this Alabama guide that walks out. And he's like, I'm going to take you now on, on, a, on a hunt. And there's three rules, he says. Here's the three rules. He says, first of all, don't shoot me. He said, second, don't shoot my truck. And then he pointed and he said, number three, by all means, don't shoot that dog because that dog's worth more than anything else out here. And these dogs on a quail hunt are incredible. I mean, they sniff out where the quail are in the tall weeds. And then once they find them, they bark at them and the quail fly up and you shoot at them, and then if you happen to hit one, it flutters down, and the dog goes and finds it for you and brings it back. It was the funnest, most fascinating thing I've ever seen, watching these dogs go to work. Okay, so I've never shot a gun, and I'm not very good at it, right? And so you get a little nervous. I'm waiting for that first moment. And the dog sniffs out a quail, you know, and I'm ready. They told me, anything on this side of the field's yours. And, okay, the dog sniffed out the quail. It flew up out of the weeds. And then it was like, oh, yeah. So I had my shotgun. I fired and missed. Now, it's hard to miss with a shotgun when you're six feet away. But I managed, okay? So the quail flies up. Missed. And then it flew. Missed again. Then it flew. Missed again. And then it was 30 feet away. They, they told me that now probably it won't reach that far. But finally I shot one more time and I managed to fell that bird and the thing fluttered to the ground. I know it sounds sad. And, but, but I thought that was the most exhilarating thing ever. Like finally I got the man card. Yeah, come on now right there. All right. Now I, I tell you that story to tell you this. Sometimes praying feels a lot like Jeff Leake trying to hit a quail. Right? Sometimes whenever we're, we're praying, we're wondering, you know, did I hit anything? You know, God, I really got a need here. Our family has a need. Our finances have a need. God, and we, and we fire into the air hoping that somehow, you know, our prayers will rise to heaven and somehow they'll hit the mark. And when they hit the mark, they'll allow us then to have this experience where our answer flutters down from heaven to earth. Most people, most people don't have a lot of confidence when they pray. Now, I'll just say like this, prayer is so, if you believe there's a God, prayer is so important because when we have needs or our family has needs or the world has needs, when we go to God and pray, I mean, there are times when only God can solve certain problems, right? Only God can meet certain situations. Only God can heal certain sicknesses, right? And so we're calling on God because we have needs. And then, and then think about it like this too. Okay, if, if we believe there is a God in heaven who's created everything and somehow our prayers could influence what happens with him and he could step into our world and begin to do things, there's nothing more powerful. Listen, there's probably nothing more in life that you could be good at that could have as much of an effect on your life and your future than prayer. And prayer doesn't have to feel like you're just firing into the air. You can actually become effective at prayer if you understand some things about how it works. And so I want to teach you very simple, very quickly, some principles about prayer that will help you feel like you're praying with a laser beam rather than with a shotgun. 
Okay? So here's the first thought. We want to take you, first of all, to 1 John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15. And it starts real simple. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. You can actually be confident when you pray. It says, John tells us this is how it works. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, everybody say his will. Okay, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, we have what we have asked of him. Now, this verse, leave it up there for a moment. This verse gives us the key. You can be confident when you pray that if you ask for something that God already wants, if you ask for something that is already his will, not only will he hear you, but you can be confident that you will hit the mark every time because if you ask for what God has already willed to give you, you will get it because this is the confidence we can have when we pray. Now, I want to give you four thoughts about prayer. Let's talk about these four. Thought number one is this. Uh, prayer is less about asking, and it's more about aligning, asking for the right things, asking for what God wants. Right? It's, 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 it's less about asking for things, and it's more about aligning with His will and purpose for our life. Now, now I just got to qualify a little bit now. When we think about prayer... There are two different types of purposes for prayer. One is to have intimacy with God. You can't do that wrong, okay? If you want to just get to know God, this is actually one of the learnings. If you're new in your walk with God or you're exploring your faith, one of the great things that I love about the God that we serve is this. You don't actually have to pray with all the proper words. You don't have to sound religious. In fact, sometimes it can get in the way if you try too hard to sound right, and a lot of people have grown up in churches where they've taught to pray prescriptive prayers, and they don't really know how to pray a prayer if the words haven't been outlined for them. But there is just something very powerful of shifting to a place where you just start to talk to God out of who you are. You start to just share, God, this is what I'm going through. This is what's happening with my marriage right now. This is what's going on in my life. And where we just simply say, God, I'm thankful for all you've brought me through. Or you just talk to him like a friend. And, you know, when you pray like that, when you're praying, and your aim is intimacy with God, connection with God. You can't do that wrong because God's a person and you're a person and he loves it when you seek to draw near to him. You know, the Bible says if you draw near to him, he draws near to you. You take one step toward God and he takes, he takes a bunch in your direction because he's been longing for you all along. So intimacy is one purpose for prayer. But there's another purpose, and that's something we call intercession. Intercession is where we attempt to bridge the gap between heaven and earth to bring things from heaven to earth because we have needs or people have needs. And so we go to pray, and we want to pray and say, God, we need you to step into our world and bring down the things that are needed. So, God, we're asking you to heal or restore or provide. And so those are the kinds of things when we intercede. Now, the intercession, you measure if it's successful by results. Has something happened? Has something changed? Is there some evidence that my prayers are making an impact? Okay, so this is what we're talking about today when we're talking about praying with confidence. Asking things according to his will aligns us so that we can know that we have what we ask. Okay, here's the second, second idea today. Second thing is this. Prayer is not so much about overcoming God's reluctance. It's about tapping into God's willingness. 
Can, can we say this at every location, wherever you are right now? Would you just join me? Just say this out loud. Read it with me now. Prayer is not about overcoming God's reluctance. It's about tapping into God's willingness. See, God has a will, and he wants to do things. We, we often sort of see God like this, like, God, if you're out there, I know you're busy. There's all kinds of things going on, and I know there's 7 billion people on planet Earth, and, and there are probably more people out there that are more qualified than I am or that have done more for you, but God, right now i got a crisis in my life, and if you're really out there and you really care about me, and we almost feel like we have to wave him down, like, God, I don't know, could you see me down here because I need some, let me just tell you, God knows your name, he knows your pain, he's aware of you, he cares about you, he sees everything you're going through, and it's his desire to do something in your life. The great thing that we can see is when we look at Jesus Christ and the fact that he went to the cross for us and he died in our place and he rose from the grave, it demonstrates just how much God loves you and me. And so I just want you to understand, God's not holding back on you. He actually wants to produce things in your life and to do things for you. So God's not a reluctant God. There's actually, there's actually a will and purpose that he has for your life. And let me just give you evidence of this. What I'm going to tell you right now, probably many of you are already familiar with. You know, the disciples said to Jesus, they wanted to know how this worked too, and they said to him, hey, we've been watching the results that you get when you pray, and then we see how we do it, and it's not working for us the way it works for you. And then they said, could you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, sure. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, do you know this? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we'll stop there for a minute. This is what we call the Lord's Prayer. It actually probably is the disciples' prayer because this is what he taught them. And often people think in order to pray effectively, you've got to pray these words in that order. The Lord's Prayer isn't so much praying in that order or that prescription. It's that there are certain elements that are supposed to be part of our prayer life that Jesus was including, like, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is a good part to pray every day. God, I forgive those who hurt me and offended me, and I ask you to forgive me. Good things to pray on a regular basis. But notice here, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So, God, we ask for your will to be done. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. And for your kingdom to come. Here's what it assumes. There are some things in heaven that God has stored up for you that haven't yet been released into your life. We'll say, why do we pray? Well, we pray because there is a will that God has in heaven that hasn't yet showed up in your life. And so we sort of say, well, God, if it's your will, go ahead and do it. Let me, let's just get this out of the, let's just get this out of the way. Once and for all, God, whatever you want to do in my life, go for it. And then I never have to pray again. No, no, no. Prayer is your will agreeing with God's will so that you can pull down what is in heaven for you. So I pray for my kids, right? And I say, God, may your will in their lives be fulfilled. I pray for my grandkids. I pray for my church. I, I say, God, what you want to do, what you've promised, may what's in heaven come down on earth. Now you say, well, God isn't, isn't God just God? Doesn't God, you know, doesn't he just always get his way? Well, let me just remind you of a couple things. First, do you know there's only two times or two places in the world where God's will is always done? One was the Garden of Eden. 
when he made Adam and Eve and he put them in there and there was no problem, no sickness, no pain, no divorce, no family crisis. Everything was great. And then the other is heaven. One day when we get to heaven, there's no tears and there's no death and there's no sickness. But in between the Garden of Eden and heaven is the space we live in. And most of the time here on this earth, God's will is not happening. And you can look around and see the evidence of it. Pain and sickness and abuse and heartache and rejection and ah. So what's prayer for? Well, prayer is about tapping into the willingness of God to bring what his will is for us in heaven into our experience. So let's just say it out loud. Repeat after me. Every location online, repeat now. So say like this. Your kingdom come. Okay, you can do better. One more time. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Okay, one more time. This time, just put your hand on your chest as you speak it out. So say, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Okay, now, so here's the idea. We said, go back to the last point, if you would. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, we said, but it's tapping into his willingness. Okay, here's the question then. Some of you may have even been wondering this, and that's this. So how can you know what God wants? If the key to prayer, look, if the key to prayer is praying for what God wants, how can anybody know that? How could I know to ask for the right thing? Because if I could ask for the right thing, it says I'm going to get an answer. So how does anyone get that answer? Okay, example. There's an indicator in the scriptures that gives us a cue as to the will of God. And it has to do with something we call a promise from God. So, so let's talk about promise. A couple years ago now, my kids were probably teenagers, most of them. And, you know, of course, we live in Pittsburgh and in the summer. Sometimes we like to go to the beach. And yet we didn't have a place to stay. And there was a family in the church that had a, a vacation home on the beach in one of those gated communities, really beautiful place. And they said to us, hey, if you want to use our vacation home for a week, you drive down to Florida, we'll leave a key for you at the gatehouse. And you just go in and ask for it, and you can have it for the whole week. So we hopped in the car, and we drove 20-some hours down to the coast near, near Tampa, Florida. And I'll never forget driving up to the gate. We're so excited. Our kids are screaming, the beach is this awesome. I can't wait. Oh. We pull up to the guard house, the gatehouse, and I step out. And I asked for the key to that house. Now, I had complete confidence that I was asking according to the will of the one who donated it to us for the week because they told me. And when I walked in, I could see right there on the wall was an envelope with my name on it. And they said, oh, Leek, yeah, we got it right here. And so they reached in that envelope and they pulled out the key and they handed it to me and we drove into that gatehouse and into this nice big home. It was awesome. You see, they had promised me the house. So when I asked for it, I wasn't surprised that I got it. Are you with me? Everybody? Okay. Now, here's what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says like this. Um, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. He's not, God's not making up his mind concerning you. In fact, Jesus is evidence that God has made up his mind completely because Jesus went the whole way, full commitment, and went to the cross. But in him, it has always been what? Yes. Jesus is just big yes to your life. 
And then the next verse, verse 20, I love this. For no matter how many promises God has made, now, now, let me just pause for a moment. You saw that, right? How many is it? For no matter how many. That means every one, right? For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So God's already told you yes to every promise. And through him we say amen is, and is, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Let me just put this together. So God has given you the key to the house, the promise. Hey, this is what I want to do in your life. When you get a promise from God and you hold on to it, you go and you say, God, this is what you promised me. And when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, right? And he gives us whatever we've asked from God. And so our combination is this. God made the promise to us. Jesus died on the cross. And in the death of Jesus on the cross, he said yes to every one of the promises of God. Romans says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us everything that we need? Jesus is the yes to every one of the promises of God. And now when we pray, we are saying amen. Now amen is one of the most misunderstood words that's used in our culture today. Amen doesn't mean, okay, we've just prayed the prayer, you know, God, thank you for this chipotle. We really appreciate how you've made black beans. God, thank you so much. It's going to be so good in Jesus' name. Amen. We think it means period. The end of the prayer, you can now eat, right? Amen. Amen is something more than that. It means I agree. Amen amen means so be it. God, you promised it. I say amen. May it be in my life. And the combination effect of God's promise and the ratification of that of Jesus on the cross saying yes, and you saying amen, Lord, in my life. I agree brings about the explosion of God's will in your life. Okay, point three. God's willingness is expressed to us through his promises. So if you ever want to know what's the will of God, well, you just look at what he's promised you. Because contained in every one of the promises of God is his, is his will and purpose. So this means i got to start praying some promises. Now, how does this work? Well, just think about this, a couple things. Maybe you're listening to me today and you're wondering if there's hope for you, if, the, if you can have a fresh start with God, if God would really forgive you of your past. And you're wondering, God, would you do this for me? I mean, I haven't been close to you. I haven't been in church for a while. Would you really want to save me? Here's a, a promise from God. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says this. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God so loved the world, it says in John chapter 3, that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, that means you and me, believes on him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. If you're wondering, can God do a, a work in my life? Can he save me? Can he give me a fresh start? The answer is yes, because he's made a promise to you. And if before the end of this day today, you say, amen, Lord, I need you to do that in my life, something will change on the inside of you. Maybe you have a loved one right now that isn't walking with God, and you wonder, God, when I pray for my son or daughter or my friend, is it really your will that they would come back to you? Listen, here's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. Is it his will to save your son or daughter, your friend, your family? Absolutely it is. And so you can pray with confidence on that. And then there's other situations in life. So a number of years ago, my father-in-law 
got liver cancer, and he had to have a liver transplant. There was a donor that donated half their liver, and they took him into the hospital there in Pittsburgh, and they transplanted that liver, and everything went well with the surgery, but then right after that, he got a terrible infection, and he was in ICU, and he had a terrible fever, and it was getting worse, and the doctors called us together, and they said, you know, it doesn't look good. We're treating with antibiotics. We're doing everything we know to do. It's not the liver anymore. It's the infection. And if something doesn't turn around, he's probably not going to make it through the next couple of days. And I remember going to my mother-in-law, and I said, has God given you any kind of a promise? As you've been reading through the Scripture and praying, is there anything that's stood out to you that has been, you feel like, a word for this moment? And she said, well, you know, before he went into surgery, he and I were praying, and God gave us this verse as we were reading through the psalm, Psalm 41, verse 3, which says this, God will sustain you on your deathbed and restore you back to health. That's what verse 3 said. So I said, well, if that's what God gave us, let's go to war with that. And so we published that. We put it out to every friend, every family member, and we decided every day, every time we were in that hospital room, we were going to use that to aim like a radiation treatment, <laughs> but it was prayer instead, right? We were saying, in Jesus' name, we declare Psalm 41, verse 3, God, that you would, you would sustain him on his deathbed and restore him back to health in Jesus' name. And we just prayed with, with faith were aggressive about it. Now, now, who can know? I'll just tell you, who can know what turns things around and if it was the medicine or it was our prayers? But I will tell you that from the moment we started to pray, his fever started to drop. And within a few days, he was out of ICU. And what God had promised to my mother-in-law and my father-in-law had been released in his body until finally the liver transplant took and the affection went away. And thank God for medical doctors and all the things that are available. But we thank God for a God who answers prayer as well. So you're going through a tough time. You're wondering what to pray. Well, you need to get a promise from God. Well, where do you get promises from God? Well, the Bible has just got so many good things that God has indicated are his will for your life. And if you'll get a hold of some of those promises and start to pray on them, rather than just firing into the air, push God, I hope you're out there. You start to grab hold of something and you say, Lord, I know you said yes. This is a promise for me. Jesus, you died on the cross for me. I thank you for this. I stand on this now and I declare amen. May it be in my life. You see, here's the fourth point. Here's the fourth idea that we'll just close with now, and that's this. Prayer doesn't so much change God, because God's for you no matter what. You know, he wants what's best for you. His desire is to bless you abundantly. What it does is it positions me to receive what God wants to do in my life. It's, it's kind of like this. I just want you to think about this. If you haven't been praying recently, or you haven't really stepped up into that place where prayer is a part of your daily experience, if you only do the SOS kind of praying, you know what I mean? Like, God, I know we haven't talked in a while, but I'm really in trouble. I could use your help. Anybody ever pray prayers like that? But if you start to pray intentionally with purpose, and it's mapped out based upon something you know that God has given you promise for, Look, this thing can just change you. Because look, think about it like this. There is stuff in the heavens that God has willed for your life. You don't want to let it just stay up there. You want to bring it down into your experience. 
It would be kind of like this. It would be kind of like if I gave you a check. I don't have one of these, just, just, but just think for a minute. If I gave you a check for $10,000 and I put it in your hand and my signature was already on it, but it had a second line. In order for you to get it, you had to sign your name to it. Then you could take it to the bank and cash it. How many of you would just let that sit around for a couple of days? <laughs> no, you'd, you'd, go, you'd go cash that baby, wouldn't you? Look, there is a whole bunch of promises from God that have Jesus' signature on it for you. Yes, this is for you. Now in prayer, you got to sign your name. Amen. Lord, do what only you can do in my life. Can we just bow for prayer today? Yeah, wherever you are, I just want to talk to you, especially if maybe today's the day you need to come back to God, or maybe you've never prayed to ask Jesus to come into your life and forgive your sin. I just want to give you a chance to do that before we conclude today, all right? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know, if you want to reach out to God, you have to say amen. You've got to agree. You've got to say, okay, Lord Jesus, do that in my life today. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to that number three, if you want to come back to God today or you want to give your life to Christ, you hear that number three, I want you to put your hand in the air and just hold it up. And then we're going to pray together as a whole group. But I want this to be your act of faith to put your trust in him today. All right? Get your right hand ready on the number three. You lift up that hand. Okay? All right. God loves you so much. Jesus died for you on the number three. One, two, Three, just shoot your hand up. Say, that's me today. Yeah, that's great. Wherever you are, every location, I want you right now. Realize God is right there with you, and he wants to touch your life. Can you just pray? Everybody pray with me right now. Say this. Say, Jesus. Say it out loud. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross in my place to pay the price for my sin. Please forgive me. Wash away my past. Make me right with God. I trust my soul to you. And I believe that you have a fresh start for me. You have life for me. So I receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just give it up for those that made that decision today. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.